My name is Piers Bayliss. I'm here with uh, Sophie Robson of the Les Amis show team. The Les Amis show team are a group of uniquely trained full-time professionals who have been in the entertainment and film industry for many years, both in France and the UK. Sophie, good afternoon to you. How are you doing? Hi, I'm all right, thank you. Good. Uh, so I'll get straight away with my questions. Um, the first is, um, what brought you to, to what you're doing today? Um, so for the three founding members of the team, so Bethany and Jake, they lived in France for a long time where equestrian theatre is very popular. Um, and they lived very close to a local equestrian theatre team. So that's how they learnt about working with horses and um, what people do with horses. So they then brought that back to their home farm in Scotland, in the Scottish borders, um, and brought the first equestrian theatre to Scotland. Personally, um, I have done many different types of training techniques with my horses, I've done a bit of dressage, a bit of jumping, a bit of this and that. Um, but I always really enjoyed doing tricks and liberty with my horses. Um, and I always wanted to buy or have somehow an Iberian or an Andalusian horse uh, that you see in the films, the most beautiful horses that there are. Um, so it's the beauty that you like or is there, is there more to it than that? Uh, the personality? beauty, the personality, um, the trainability, the classical dressage that you see them doing, all those sorts of things. So how did you meet the team as it was uh, the three and then yeah. you joined? Um, so I found them uh, quite a few years ago now um, through the Borders Festival of the Horse. They were offering trick riding lessons and I thought, well, you don't offer trick riding lessons unless you're a stunt <laughs> team. They must be a stunt team. And at that point, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do as a career. You had a, b um, a background at that stage? Yeah, already. well, I'd, um, I'd managed... I'd, uh, got a young Andalusian um, and was starting to train her, doing some tricks in Liberty and discussing with my parents, how am I going to do this as my job? <laughs> <laughs> and then I found Jake and Bethany and Sue. <laughs> Brilliant. That sounds like a match made in heaven there. <laughs> and you've got this, this um, equestrian theatre and this is based out by Jedbra. Yeah. And how long has that been running for? Oh, we have been doing equestrian theatre performances, uh, let's see, we're in 2019 now, so 10 years in the borders? 10 years in the borders, but this, this theatre, I think, was relatively yeah, new. Yeah, so the theatre, we, um, we built an actual building, the theatre, and we finished building it last year. Bricks, mortar... The works. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wanted to delve into that because uh, that's quite a, a business decision to make. Yeah. Um, and what I wanted to really ask you was the preparation that went into that. For anyone listening at home that's thinking of t doing a big undertaking like that, mm -hmm. what, was the, the, what was the first step for yourselves? You had your, your business, but it was mm. quite mobile. Yeah, um, so every year we would run an equestrian theatre event on our farm. Um, to start with, we would do a show in a 13 metre ring outdoors um, with limited seating around, a very limited parking. Um, and we attracted up to 100 people to the event. Wow, yeah. um, so we, would, we started with one day once a year. Um, then we... 
where we had one year in particular where it was quite bad weather, but people still came. So, so that showed thought, you that it was a popular, yeah, popular thing. Yeah. yeah, we'd managed to attract um, lots of people. Um, so then we thought, well, how are we going to do this where the weather doesn't matter? Um, we couldn't afford a building at that point, but we managed to find a, a big top circus tent that we could afford. So we bought that and we spent a, a winter and more doing the <laughs> groundswork, um, out Just, in the rain, doing a lot of work to get it put up, then realised it couldn't stay up in the winter to go back down again. <laughs> so it wasn't permanent at that stage. I did see no. some pictures that looked like it was a bit of a washout at uh, times. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. The big top was a bit of a washout. But in the summer, it worked beautifully as a venue and it looked amazing. It had a real ambience about it. But as soon as it was raining or windy or basically the weather that you were trying to protect yourselves and your audience from, it didn't work. So. so it sounds like there was there was two driving factors. One, it was a natural growth of the business because yeah. people were coming, but to get to that next step, you needed to do something. Yeah. But also, it was providing somewhere to pe for people to, to shelter under. <laughs> yes, exactly. In case yeah. the, 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 the weather changed <laughs> for the worst. Exactly. So in the development of that, um, you'll have your idea at the start of how it's all going to go. Um, what... What went to plan from the beginning? You see, presumably you'd done your homework at the start. Yeah. What went to plan and what did you need to sort of change on the fly mm. as the, the project progressed? Um, that's a very tricky question. Um, we sort of went about, about the uh, building of the arena in a way of planning and doing, planning and doing. So we never planned further than our budget could stretch. Right. Um, we never planned um, further than we could definitely see us being able to achieve. So in so terms of did, risk? Yeah, we really measured. limited risk. We didn't really have anything particularly go wrong. Um, the main issue that we had was we did everything ourselves from levelling the ground... Um, where we had help from a structural engineer to figure out exactly where the concrete bases had to go. Um, and we had help from someone to pour the concrete bases to get the exact depth because it's a huge arena. Um, yes. You know, it needs needs to be structurally sound. So we had help on a, some safety things. Um, but apart from that, we did absolutely everything ourselves. So I've forgotten where I was going with that. I think but. it sounds like <laughs> that the, you 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 wanted to do everything yourselves, but you weren't afraid to seek yeah. professional help when yeah. you thought, "Hey, yeah. maybe it's best we get the measurements we right. Need, yeah, maybe we, we should get someone in." That's and that's it, a very sensible yeah. way of doing things. Yeah, and because you are doing everything yourself, we knew where our limits were. We knew how we could learn how to do a new skill to be able to do the next step. Um, and things like that. So we didn't really have many problems. But the, one of the main holdups that we did have um, was finding a structural engineer that had time <laughs> <laughs> to have phone call conversations or answer an email or, you know, um, just really had time to figure out yeah. complicated things. Um, so that was a bit of a holdup at the start. So... 
this is my next question. If you could go back in time to the beginning of that project, you would perhaps have consulted someone earlier on, or was um, that not the issue? Oh, finding the right person. Finding them early on would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not having to go through a couple of different people to find the one that was going to work. <laughs> and, and has it turned out the way you, you envisioned? Uh, it has the presumably you've solved the problem of people having nowhere to stand when it rains. Yeah, yeah. So we've got the first part of a huge project done. We've got the initial building made. Um, so now we want to do extensions on that to make better seating areas, mm-hmm. better um, an entrance hall like you would when you go to the theatre and you go in to buy your tickets. Um, these are all the things that we didn't have to have to get it up and running, but these are all the things that we now want to start building and so you've, start putting out this. Your budget is what allows you to get do these things yeah. step by step rather than exactly. to just try and do it all at once. Exactly, yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but you're still doing this sort of, um, you've got this built and it yeah. seems to be doing well, yeah. but it's an ongoing project. It is that's, ongoing, yeah. what's, what's the next big sort of step for that? Um, the next big step is planning the next step. <laughs> 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 we, we know exactly where, we know how we want to extend and we know what we want the final outcome to be. So now we just need to decide which way do we extend first. And now we need to plan it, look into the planning permissions for extending, budgeting, and doing all that. That sounds like a a very... um detailed future that you're going to have to go through there (laughs) but uh, I don't envy you but I'm sure it'll work out very well in the end um I wanted to get back perhaps to the 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 business side in terms of your shows Mm -hmm. um out in across Scotland presumably down to England as well yeah yeah and across to Ireland and across (laughs) how far have you gone how I think the Republic of Ireland is the furthest we've gone. You've got you've got the horses, you've got yeah. dogs, so you can't just hop yeah. in a jet and <laughs> yeah. fly across yeah. to Las Vegas we would for the love, weekend. We keep talking about um, going back to France um, to do some shows down there, which would be lovely to do, and we aim to do that in the future, certainly. So what do you think it takes to make a business like that work? So you're quite mobile Mm -hmm. but not totally mobile you still have the animals yeah the costumes yeah what do you rely on in terms of perhaps local uh the place where you're going local services or is it all planned ahead and you move your entire camp there and yeah so there there is a lot of planning a lot of planning ahead um so every time we're booked to do a, a show somewhere um we will look at the distance to get there, decide, is it a one-day trip? Is it a two-day trip? Um, is it a drive there? Do the show drive back again? Because some events are very local to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, yeah, so the planning starts as soon as someone makes a booking. We decide how many days travel it is. Um, do we need an overnight stop on the way? Um, do they pay a deposit up front? Um, they pay a deposit a few months ahead, yeah. Right, so you're not... <laughs> it's not just like the Shent event's over, let's get paid now. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. not that's a sensible way of doing yeah. things. Um, okay, so 
if you could add one thing to the Scottish borders, this area, to help grow your business, what do you think it would be? Mm, um, I think that would have to be mainly mindset to people here in the borders to realise things actually happen in the borders. <laughs> and bus trips to come down from Edinburgh to the borders or up from Newcastle yeah. to the borders. Just more realisation that there are things happening here that are very, very interesting. <laughs> so one would be infrastructure, presumably, to let people get there. Yeah. And yeah. two, it would be some kind of um, ability to reach the people in the borders to let yeah. them know we're here. Yeah. Come yeah. and see our shows. Just because we are here and we are local doesn't mean that a team from down south are better than us. <laughs> no. Because we go down there on the prete- on the idea that we are from Scotland. The home of the Reavers. And- <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, they're coming all this way so they must be the best. There's a temptation, <laughs> I believe, to, to never really go outside your own door and look at what's there. And it's only when a friend exactly. comes to visit you and they say, let's go and see the abbeys. And you yes. think, I've never seen it. When I've never gone to see the abbeys, but yeah. then you do because your friend's there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah think you're that's absolutely a, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, perhaps it's capturing the imagination or um, that will help people see. But hopefully they'll listen to this. <laughs> and when is the next show? Well, that's a tricky one because we're just at the end of show season. Um, so great actually, timing for this. Yeah, great timing. <laughs> Our next thing is we are going to be in Selkirk for Scott Selkirk um, with our performing goat. Right. We don't only, only do horses and we don't only do dogs, but we also do goats. <laughs> so he comes to Scott Selkirk every year. Um, there's a, two five-minute performances and he's there to, for you to meet and see him and learn about the team. Um, and then next... What's the goat's name? I have to ask. Oh, the goat is called <laughs> Billy Bowler. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been on TV and all sorts. <laughs> oh, right. Well, where, can we, where can we see that? Is it maybe online or...? Um, uh, yes, it'll be online somewhere. Uh, well, he was in... Um, a BBC child's TV programme called Gudrun the Viking Princess. <laughs> uh, he was an escapee goat and he ran away from Gudrun. Um, <clears throat> and one of our horses was in another episode of Gudrun, um, our Norwegian fjord onion. And <laughs> he was a Liberty fjord horse that she had to try and tame. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, you can see uh, them. Can you, can you go to the farm? Yes. Yes, yeah. we are open. So if you want to go and see the goat, yeah. <laughs> you want to yeah. go see the horses and the exactly. dogs. Exactly, yeah. Perfect. You can find on our website where you can send us a message to ask to come up to meet our animals. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and I'll put the link in the, the description of this podcast so you can Great. see as well. Um, right, well, we'll, we'll get to, to, to a close here, but I want to ask before you go, and I've forgotten the pronunciation already. <laughs> um, I'll call it straightness training, but you can tell me the pronunciation, <laughs> please. So it's uh, Mariaka de Jong's straightness training. And this is a just a personal endeavour, really, um, to educate myself on classical equitation with horses. Um, it's a method of training horses to do classical dressage, but also just a method of training horses to be able to be ridden, to be safe to handle from the ground, 
um, to do all the basics that you need when you're looking into horse training. But it comes from um, the ancient grandmasters in horse training. And it's all developed from very old methods. So instead of buying the newest um, item that a equine shop has to help you control your horse they take everything off and then you train in the most natural way as you can um so yeah so for me um the straightness training is just another way to learn more about horse training and we do a lot of that within our team um we look into centered riding um the straightness training we look at natural horsemanship methods we we are always learning we study constantly that's the best way to do it i think to constantly evolve and yeah okay we'll leave it there thank you very much sophie (laughs) thank you